And we're back. It's another uh, week of Curb Appeal. We're excited. Um, Lizzie and I have a very special guest here. Um, this is Katie Stadler. Katie, um, you're a Fort Worth resident, staple in the community. Um, but there's so much more we want to talk to you about today because you are doing big things um, beyond, I want to say, out of this world, basically, is what you're doing. But uh, let's dive right into just you as a person, kind of, you know, you and your husband, you said he was from Chicago, both went to TCU, but kind of your roots here in Fort Worth. Yeah, so um, my husband and I met, we were both um, frog camp directors at TCU and um, started dating and got married two years after we graduated and decided to stay in Fort Worth. So I'm from um, Plano and he's from Chicago and Fort Worth just grabbed our hearts while we were at TCU. And so we um, have lived here ever since. We have four kids, um, 12, 11, 10, and eight. And we live right, hands full. <laughs> they are handfuls now. Um, and we live right by TCU and we still go to a lot of the games and um, are plugged into the community. So we love Fort Worth. My husband's in the syndicate. So we wear cowboy boots and cowgirl hats and um, are just happy to call it home. Yeah, I love that. Does he ever miss Chicago? I mean, he does. He's actually traveling back from Chicago right now um, for a work trip. He does. But I think he loves Fort Worth. It's a um, great place. And I think the people here are so kind. And the community is what makes it so special. And I think it's hard to find anywhere else. We love to say that and talk about that. I feel like every episode, we're always talking about how great Fort Worth is and how much it has to offer, whether you are single, dating, young, old, have families. There's just something for everyone here. I kind of feel like that. I, I would agree. And, yeah. it, and I feel like everyone's just one person removed yeah, from someone it else. Is. Yeah, you still it's get a large the small community feel, but you also get everything you could want from a big city. I agree. Yeah. And there's always someone new to meet, too. It's just like we're sitting yeah. here. You live a few blocks away from me we've never met before or maybe we did at the rodeo i'm thinking maybe <laughs> but i run by your house a lot okay. or i used to before uh my new venture okay i would run the loop right there but i know so fort worth is just um it's our home i think you missed the chicago weather it's been really hot oh, this well, uh, oh. summer so uh, um has it <laughs> we always say that <laughs> I think it's burning hot here, but it's burning hot. It's so much hotter than I think it's ever been in the summer. Well, I think we should just go right into it. Be human kindness. I mean, what I said you are doing is out of this world. I've really enjoyed getting to know you um, outside of, you know, the cameras and doing curb appeal and the organization. So kind of just like make everyone aware what it's about, the mission, how you got started with it and what you're doing. So, um, Be Human Kindness is a five-month-old nonprofit um, that is focused on um, bringing goodness and kindness into some of the darkest places in the world. Um, but it was really formed because my family and I have a heart for Ukraine. Um, we fell in love with Ukraine through a 15-year-old boy in 2017 that we tried to, um, we hosted in our home several times and tried to adopt. Um, Unfortunately, the adoption um, fell through, and we continue to have a relationship with him um, for the four years that he was in Ukraine before he passed away um, in 2021. So um, my husband and I, when the war started, I had already been to Ukraine and had a lot of connections there, and so we were trying to figure out just what we could do to help, and from that, be human kindness 
was born. How did you get the name, or how did you even come up with that? So, I, my husband and I started sending um, financial aid over there. We reached out to our friends and our family around here, and we're sending it to connections that we had inside of Ukraine. And about three weeks into the war, um, the pastor that we were sending it to reached out to me and said, there's just nowhere to even spend the money anymore. There was no gas. There wasn't any cars. Um, we had actually bought two vans for him, 13 passenger vans, and they were having some of the men shuttle people to the border and the men were called up to the army to serve, so they lost their drivers. So at that point, I traveled over there and I spent um, 12 days in Poland, Warsaw, Poland, and went down to the border. And through that trip is how I came about naming it Be Human Kindness because I realized very quickly that just smiling, I mean, we don't speak the same language, obviously, yeah. um, but just getting down on their level and smiling and interacting with the kids, you know, mm. touching the mom's arms and letting them know that they're safe and they're going to be okay um, really changed their entire outlook on what was happening to them. And so I realized kindness is really more important than finances or anything else, just meeting them where they are. So crazy. I mean, because again, we only know what we know or see on the news or what we read, um, which it's all media outlets and, you know, it's news. But you being over there firsthand, you see something totally different than we're just so removed and what we're exposed to. I agree with you. I think that it's been especially difficult um, to share our not share our mission, but to explain the gravity of what's happening and why there is such a need to Americans. I mean, even to, you know, my own family. Mm -hmm. um, because as America, we've just never experienced something like this. And to be honest, in Europe, they haven't experienced anything like this since World War II. Um, fortunately, and also in a heartbreaking way, most of the wars happen so far away from us um, and these types of refugee crises. So I think it's really hard to see. I mean, to understand it mm -hmm. until you see it. Well, it's probably really hard to see too when you're over there. How often are you going over there right now? Oh, yes. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> if I can ask. <laughs> we leave, um, I leave on Sunday, August 8th, and that will be my fifth trip. Oh, wow. Um, so, really, it was about every four to five weeks. Okay. Um, and I don't really, everyone's like, is this going to be the normal? And I don't know. Yeah. Um, we now have a team of five people over there on the ground in Warsaw, um, working full time with our um, houses that we have there. And so, there's still just a huge need for shelter, relocation and kindness and I guess I'll keep going until this war ends and that's not needed. Tell me about um, the shelters you're providing and all the services. Okay so when I went over there the very first time um, I just was going over by myself and oh my, my husband told me I had to stay at this one hotel because he thought it was going to be like a home base and they would notice if I was missing or anything mm -hmm. and I, I really didn't know what I was I didn't know what to expect um, Poland is beautiful it is a fabulous country with the kindest people 
Warsaw is gorgeous. It reminds me of Paris, Prague. Um, and so I get there and I go to the train station by myself. I go to all of these various places by myself. And then I start plugging myself in to the nonprofits that are already there helping. And I quickly realized that there was not a nonprofit that wasn't just meeting an immediate need and then passing them to another organization. And I started to look at it through the lens of being a mother because the majority of the refugees are women and children. And I thought if I had to leave my husband in our country and leave, flee, and arrived in a different country that speaks a different language and had nowhere idea where I was gonna go with my children, what would I need? And from that is how we created our program. Um, so we offer safe shelter. Um, we have 250 beds that we um, fully fund. Wow. Some in Warsaw, uh, the majority are in Warsaw, and then we have about 35 beds inside of Ukraine at a safe house that we use to funnel families out. Um, and so usually what happens is the mother comes to us or, um, Sometimes they're traveling with extended family and we usually meet them at the train stations or soup kitchens or other connections with um, the large refugee camps that we've made. And we usually get them settled the first night, take a shower, um, let them, it's probably the first time that they've had their own space because our rooms are kind of like hostels, hotel rooms um, in months wow. because they've been living in shelters. And so we usually touch base, give them some money for food and let them know they're going to be okay. And then our team goes back the next day and we start the intake process, which is sitting down and kind of figuring out if they have any idea what their next steps are, um, what their resources are, what their connections are with people in other countries, family. And from there, we start to introduce um, their options because they don't know. and. To be really honest, they can't even think about what the next steps are. Because right? they can't go back, right? There's no, I mean. So there are a lot of Ukrainians going back, unfortunately, um, but they're living in refugee camps on the Western border inside of Ukraine. Um, and the reason they're going back is because there aren't programs like ours. Living in a 3,000 to 10,000 person refugee camp, living on a cot, is not sustainable for these families. Um, and you know, I told my husband the other day, I said, it's honestly probably the hardest thing to see is these families going back into a, a country where there's war and a chance of being killed. Um, it's really bad when being a refugee is worse than living in a country where there's war. And that is the case for many Ukrainians. And um, it's unfortunate. So. That's what, so we have beds, we provide um, case management. We introduce you know, tons of options on all the different countries they can go to. And this was just knowledge that myself and our team learned through navigating this. Doing it, yeah. Um, we've met a lot of, in. we just jumped in. We have a lot of contacts with a lot of different countries. Um, you know, people that own businesses that are willing to provide jobs, um, the governments that process the immigration paperwork. And we just, utilize those to try to find a safe place for them to remain until they can return back home. Um, so we have relocated a little over a thousand families. Um, so about 
4,200 refugees total to 25 different countries. Um, and they're documented in our database. They have contact with us, I would say, probably once a week, if not more. Um, we get pictures, letters, emails, and we've had a 100% success rate um, with families being able to remain outside of Ukraine and have stability in all these different situations. So that is amazing. It's been a whirlwind, but it's because of, I think, the support that we've received mm -hmm. from so many generous people that we've even be, been able to accomplish this. Um, but the support from just like your husband and your children yeah. for you to go, I mean, I, that, I know it takes a toll on you personally. It has to and it takes a toll on your family and they understand the overall purpose. But I'm just always amazed when you talk about this and tell you know, your story, but then also what Be Human Kindness is because I could just see you over there as like a force to be reckoned with. I mean, how did you even know who to talk to? How did, where, what was, I mean, it's crazy. Honestly, it is crazy. I don't even know how I got into this. <laughs> I, I really went over there the first time um, to see what was happening and if I could help and thought I would be volunteering, serving meals, um, making beds, doing laundry for shelters. And I just quickly realized that there was not an organization that was creating a future for these families. And so I did. I started meeting lots of different players in the game. Um, a lot of big nonprofits, a lot of small nonprofits. And I started to piece together a network um, that allowed me to find the most vulnerable. Um, I started knocking on safe houses and trying to find any that had availability that I could maybe just have 10 beds at. Mm -hmm. And through this, it's just grown because there's such a need. Um, but I, the, so my first trip there, I went to the train station on the very first um, day, and it's the train station you saw on the news. I don't know if anyone remembers where all the strollers, all the Polish mothers had left like hundreds of strollers. Um, and I walked in and I started talking to the Polish volunteers that were running the transportation. At this point, there was probably like a thousand Ukrainians in the train station trying to get wherever they could go. Yeah. Um, they just show up with nowhere to go. With nowhere to mm -hmm. go. And do they, they have nothing or just what they could carry probably? Or? A couple of suitcases and yeah. backpacks. Um, there were, there have been families that we've hosted that didn't even have shoes because they fled during an active combat and they just jumped on any train or bus to get out. Um, so I go to the train station. I, I plug into this nonprofit that's running the transportation and was like, I'm here. And people had from Fort Worth had gifted me all of this cash to go take it over there and try to help. And I didn't know what to do with it. And so I started paying for people's tickets um, because they don't have credit cards oh, yeah. and they don't have any way to really pay for it. A lot of them are coming out with just cash but you can't get on some of these sites and book with cash mm -hmm. and so I ended up giving these um people running this part my PayPal account <laughs> and they would book the tickets through my PayPal account for families um and so that's just one connection that I made and then actually one of them came and started working with Be Human Kindness um 
And then there were lots of connections all the way through the refugee process that have really opened doors. Can you speak a little more to why, um, because I didn't know this until you had uh, told me earlier, that why the males have to stay back or what that looks like, they're called to war. Kind of explain that a little bit, why it's just the women and children coming and what that looks like. So when the war started, obviously many people started to flee. Um, But Ukraine is so, it has so much pride in its country. Um, But there was a law that was passed that any man between the ages of 18 and 60 could not leave the country because obviously they need people to serve in the army. And so even if they're not actively called up yet, um, they are not allowed to leave. So the um, the UN just released that they estimate every family coming out is leaving behind one immediate family member, whether that's a husband or a son or a brother or a grandpa. Um, And so the majority of people are coming out are women and children who left behind someone they loved. What does that look like for the education for the children? And I mean, mom's having to find, I know you're, like you said, helping relocate things. I mean, jobs and I mean, it's just, so um, the majority of Ukrainian children have not been in school since February 24th when the war started. Um, so they went to school on February 23rd. Everyone went to work. And they woke up, um, from what I've been told, at 5 a.m. to a national text message that Russia had invaded and that they were not to leave and go to work. And pretty much they were supposed to remain in shelter. And so a lot of these kids haven't been in school. That I think that was something that really struck me when I went over there the first time was there were these moms that were just obviously in shell shocked and just ghost and the kids were just running around all over the place on iPads and cell phones and running through these refugee centers and it was mass chaos. And so I think that was one of the things that really showed me, you know, that there needs to be an organization that does empower the mother and preserves the childhood of the child. And so that's a big thing is getting these kids in school. But first you have to get them to a stable place or a stable country, which is a lot harder Mm -hmm. than you would think. Yeah, it's it's truly like take care of the basic human needs. Right. And then let's worry about education or what's next but it's like day to day day to day or hour to hour minute by minute it is um and i think that the majority of the large nonprofits that we're all you know unicef all of those that we all hear about and see on the news um they are meeting the basic needs mm-hmm. but as this war continues you're exactly right these children need to get into school yeah. they need um the mothers need to get jobs for their own mental health mm-hmm. and healing because sitting around living in that state of crisis and depression isn't promoting you know the security of ukraine for anyone because these families need to go back when it's safe and there's has to be you know an educated child and mother who have been empowered on the outside and not living kind of in this you know bubble yeah i have a question and you i would assume you probably don't really want to talk about yourself because you're obviously like a selfless person doing these types of things but I'm curious I mean I just sit here and listen to you talk about 
what you've been able to put together to help out these people in need. And I'm curious, do you have a feel on what life experience you had that prepared you to be able to give back like this? Or has this been a natural thing your whole life? Well. <laughs> <laughs> um. Sorry, that's a doozy, but it's just, no, it's, I'm it's amazed a great by question. you. Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. So I think I've always been a very empathetic person. Um, in my 20s, I remember doing a Bible study, uh, a Beth Moore Bible study, and it was like, rank yourself on empathy. And it gave you all these things like, when you watch the news, do you cry? When you hear a story, do you feel like you're a part of the story? All this. And it put you on the scale from zero to 10, and I was a 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah. does not surprise yeah. me at all. <laughs> um, and so I think it's been since I was young, I remember always wanting to work with children and um the vulnerable children I told my parents that I was gonna have all these children and also be a special ed teacher mm-hmm. and oh, wow, yeah. so I think I've just always been called to the less fortunate mm-hmm. um how I got into this situation I, I really don't know <laughs> <laughs> I think that obviously my heart calls me my faith plays a huge role mm-hmm. in being empowered to do something like this and also knowing that it's a calling from God and that it's a mission that he gave me. And so just putting my trust that I'm doing going in the direction he's leading. Um, and then I think I'm also someone who doesn't take no. Oh, that's Very a good well. combination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I think when you combine those two things, that's, I've gotten that's amazing yeah I think that goes back to a little bit can I ask you this and this might be too personal um why Ukraine when you guys were looking to adopt um so we really actually so I had always had a heart for adoption Matt knew that um before we got married but you know I always also wanted to have my own children and so after we had our children um life was incredibly crazy so who knows why we thought it was a great idea to do (laughs) some of the things we did but um we kind of wanted to like put our toe in the water of adoption and there's actually a lot of programs um in america that are hosting programs and so there was already a large orphan crisis in ukraine um probably one of the largest in the world when the war started and that's because uh after 1993 when ukraine broke away from the USSR um, they were finally able to allow international adoptions but up until then you know Russia doesn't allow adoptions and things but they also are a communist country so there's such a discrepancy in people's social status and Mm -hmm. so a lot of the orphans in Ukraine are um, social orphans which means you know their parents just really couldn't afford wow take care of them and so they go live in these large orphanages they don't necessarily have foster systems and things and it's really expensive obviously to heat them during the winter and to feed them so they're kind of like boarding schools Mm -hmm. so they have these host organizations that during the Christmas winter break and during the summer they um, allow families to go through a process to bring them to America and so that is how we got plugged into Ukraine, okay. um, was they were just one of the countries that offers host programs to do this. 
uh, and it lined up better or closer to our calendar schedule with mm-hmm. our kids and things than um, they also have a lot of host programs in China and um, some in South America. But Ukraine was the one that lined up with kind of like, oh, Christmas break summer and it was such a god thing you know uh i've really no idea how ukraine stole our heart except i think god had written the story i was like there is a bigger picture here there was a much bigger experiencing now and i think that has been one of the um most emotionally trying things that my family and i have have experienced from this you know, we went through so much heartache when the adoption fell through. Um, and, you know, we mourned it for so long. Our kids love Nikita, and anytime he would call, they would run and get on the phone. And um, that was devastating. And then he passed away um, tragically during COVID. We weren't able to go over there and claim his body and give him a proper burial. Uh, we had to have like the embassies get involved to even try to figure out where he was Mm -hmm. and we were able to find um and bury him but from afar so when the war started we were devastated because we knew we would never be able to get over there Mm -hmm. um and have some closure all that to be said now we have be human kindness and it's in his memory because that is what led us to lean so far into this crisis was our love for Nikita. And so I think what a beautiful legacy he's going to leave behind. Yeah. You're such a powerful female. And we were all just talking about that. But I think it's so interesting because you're now empowering other females because they're out on their own. Um, And I'm getting emotional. But um, having to raise these children, but you're actually taken aback by another powerful female that's over there, which I find fascinating. Um, Time and time again, we see the leader of Ukraine speaking on the news, Um, but you recently um, just told us about his wife speaking, and she is, I mean, you guys are the same, like, right? Like, you guys (laughs) are forces to be reckoned with, and um, man, anybody over there better watch out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I really, I tell my two daughters this all the time, I really do think women have such a gift to change this world. And when a woman leans into something she really cares about, I think that's when change is made. Um, And so I agree with you. I think strong women have a responsibility to stand up and be a voice. And the president of Ukraine's wife, Lena, has become kind of a girl crush for me. I, um, I didn't even know who she was. And now I um, just love her. Like, she's a mother to young children. Um, anytime that I read anything she posts about this war or about what's happening, she's constantly looking through, looking at it through the eyes of being a mother. Wow. And um, she just spoke last week, actually, on the Congress floor. And I would encourage every woman and man to go listen to her speech because it was beyond empowering for the future for Ukraine. It really displayed, you know, the love of their country and the people that we're talking about. Um, And she's the first spouse of a first world country to speak on the floor of Congress. 
she got a standing ovation and it was really a powerful message that she shared so yes i have a new girl crush yeah we like a girl crush <laughs> I, I was telling someone the other day i'm like you know they're talking about all these i've met a lot of really interesting mm -hmm. famous politically connected people you know that i never thought i would meet in my whole life um because i was just a stay-at-home mom five months ago <laughs> um but i was just telling someone like i don't even care about all those people if i could just meet yeah. Lena Zelinsky, I would just feel so special. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. We need to put that in the universe. Yeah, really <laughs> though. I like that a lot. Um, I want to commend you right now too. What a great tidbit that you gave your daughters. Cause I think that's, you know, from a young age on, I mean, I think that's special for them to know that, you know, watching you as their mom, what you're doing, but just like, Hey, like anything is possible. I think that's special. Thank you. Um, you know, this has not been an easy um, mission for our family, for my husband, for my kids. Uh, they have had to give a lot and sacrifice a lot themselves. Um, they're actually going over with me for the first time in a couple weeks, and I just could do backflips. I'm so excited yeah. to share um, what's happening over there because this really is a sacrifice from our my whole family mm -hmm. yeah. it, it's you know an investment from all six of us and so um i just really feel very strongly that we have to look outside of our own homes mm -hmm. and our own cities our own countries and at the world and so i'm excited to especially show my daughters yeah, what yeah. a great thing to instill in your children, too. I mean, we were kind of talking about it briefly, but it's so easy to get caught up in our bubble. Um, and that's what we love. One of the things we love about Fort Worth <laughs> is it is the bubble. But really, at the end of the day, life is not easy. And to be exposed to those things early in life will give your children, I feel like, the perspective of, uh, and how to handle life's problems throughout their lives and hopefully instill in them the want to give back and yeah. do better for people. I think we take it for granted in America sometimes um, really how good we have it. I mean, I, I mean, you said like gas prices are high. Obviously no one likes that. It's unfortunate. I mean, just there's a lot of things going on here, but what's going on here? I couldn't imagine having to pack up and flee can imagine with having no to shoes just on. run with no shoes on to a train station and no plan for the future. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's pretty unbelievable to see, but I, th I think it's really important to um, kind of share and bring awareness to what's happening over there because it's really important that we remember we, we live in such a global world mm -hmm. and we have a global economy and we are all connected and just a little removed from the next person, even people that live in other countries. Um, I actually was standing in the line at the American Embassy in Warsaw, I think it was in April, and was waiting in line for um, an 80-year-old woman to help her get her uh, visa to come here. And there was a guy standing in line with a Fort Worth, Texas hat on. No lie. Oh, I took wow. a picture. Wow. I'm like, that is so was, he was, a Ukrainian. was he from? Oh, he was Ukrainian. Yes, he Fort is Fort Worth. Worth. 
his daughter that went is, to Baylor or goes to Baylor. That is wild. It was wild. And so we are just, just a little removed from yeah. everyone. And so what to remember reminder. that a lot of, you know, what's happening here is a reflection of the crisis that's happening over there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a great reminder, actually. Mm-hmm. It's a good reminder to realize that there's a lot of hardship here and there's a lot of the hardship there. And all we can do is lean into that. You started this five months ago. You've already got a safe house, 250 beds. What is next for Be Human Kindness? Um, well, you know, I think I would really love to be able to close down or redirect our mission to something else, um, which means I would just really love for there to be peace in Ukraine for this war to be over mm-hmm. and for these families to be able to return. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I don't think that that's going to happen anytime soon. So Be Human Kindness is going to continue to go over there and make the biggest impact that we can with the gifts that we've been given from America. Um, every time I go over there, I feel like I've been pushed to my limit, that Be Human Kindness has been pushed to its limit. Mm. And every time God opens up another opportunity to serve more people, and I say yes. And so we actually just opened our third safe house um, that's gonna be a long-term home for women and children. Uh, We signed a contract for a two-year lease. Wow. um, Because there's been so much destruction in Ukraine that even when this war ends, um, there's gonna have to be mm-hmm. organizations that step in to provide safety until they can return to an actual home and school and a community. Um, and that's gonna take time. So I guess to continue to lead with our hearts and to stay true to our mission, which is to share kindness and generosity and hope um, with these families and We'll see where the Lord takes us. Um, You know, I say yes to whatever God opens and reveals. um, And then I kind of figure out the money and the finances later. (laughs) Uh, So I usually go over there, make some huge investment in helping these families and come back and figure out how to, we're going to pay for it. Um, So I would love for Be Human Kindness to be able to kind of get ahead of ourselves Mm -hmm. so that when I do go over there, I can make an even bigger impact um, because there's such a need. We turn families away Mm. every night. Um, We started getting people booking through our website or messaging through our website. Mm -hmm. And I was like, we're like turning into a VRBO. (laughs) Um, And it's incredibly heartbreaking to have to say we don't have any beds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, or we're not going to have beds for three more days mm-hmm. because, you know, who knows what that family will experience mm-hmm. in that time. How, how can people contribute? Um, so we have um, a website that you um, can go check out, www.behumankindness.org. And it kind of explains probably way better than I'm doing on your show because I really don't like talking you are doing like this. and I will say like throughout the show um people right now who are listening are watching um hopefully they're watching because I'm going to show a lot of the footage that you have provided and some of the pictures so they could really see a visual of you know not only what's happening but what you're doing and providing for so many of these families because I think that's important 
Well, thank yeah. you. Um, so you can go on there. You can see more about what we're doing. And really, financial um, support is the best. Every single dollar that is donated to Be Human Kindness is 100% donated to our mission. Um, my husband and I, through our commitment to what we're doing and to Ukraine and to where our heart has been led, um, cover all the administrative costs, all of the operational costs, um, you know, plane tickets, anything, websites, lawyers, everything we do out of the goodness of our hearts. Um, so we can take your money and have a huge impact over there. Uh, second, I think awareness. People, mm -hmm. um, you know, we need to be talking about this. This is the largest refugee crisis in recorded history. Um, we all learned about World War II. Um, we've all seen atrocities around the world. Um, and it's 2022, and this is happening in Europe. Yep. And it's wrong. It's the first time that a war has occurred that there has not been media coverage on both sides mm. of the lines. Um, because in some wars, I think things, I, I'm not an expert, but things can get very convoluted about how it started or where it started. And mm -hmm. This is just wrong. This is a country that just decided it was going to invade another country and start, you know, exterminating their people. Mm -hmm. It's unreal that it's happening. And so I think awareness, we need to be talking about it. We need to be talking to our kids about it because we need to learn from our past. Mm -hmm. um, and make this world a better place. So, and then, you know, support in ways of, uh, I've taken over donations from some of my children's friends. Um, when we get a little more stable, I would really like to do like backpack drives mm -hmm. or, you know, real tangible ways that people that can't go over there um, can still connect with the families that are over there. And so, I think those would be, you know, the biggest, that, that's the biggest support that Be Human Kindness awesome. needs. So money and then eventually we'll be able to provide, provide through supplies and things yeah. like that. And um, I know, you know, I mean, it just doesn't stop. It's 20 hours a day. And I don't know when it's going to be a little calmer, but I would love to have like mission trips, mm -hmm. like for women. Yeah. Like, I think all the time about the women that I've served with in the junior league or that I've met from TCU mm -hmm. or, you know, Fort Worth. And that's what's so special is Texans just go over there and get it done. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And so I would love to take a group of powerful women over with me um, to kind of share in our mission and to see it. And the impact that you could have would be gigantic. You know, we have helped families who have lost um, loved ones mm -hmm. during the evacuation or when their city became came under combat um, and I can't even imagine losing a loved one and then having to leave my country and go live the life that a refugee has to live mm -hmm. they don't even really get time to even like stop and cry mm -hmm. or they're no surviving processing. themselves at this they're surviving point, yeah. um and so I think that's something that's unique about Be Human Kindness is once they get to our safe house and they 
they get to live the most normal it resembles the most normal life they could have as a refugee because you have your own room, room your own bathroom um and it kind of gives them a moment to breathe so i feel like we get to be a part of the beginning of the healing yeah mm-hmm. um we start to see the mothers open mm-hmm. up about what happened and share emotions um share their stories and you start to kind of see like it's therapeutic almost um why they're with us and then you get to see them leave and go to a different country um go to another organization that's going to help them get to the next part of their journey and they leave with smiles and they leave feeling loved and even though i know they will never forget what they've been through they have a little bit of hope and that's everyone needs a little bit of hope um Lizzie, you got anything else? No, I'm just in, I'm in awe over here and um, look forward to seeing everything that you continue to do. And I feel like you're making a big impact on the world and it's inspiring me. Um, and so, yeah. great job and look forward to seeing it all. And I just want to tell you guys, I'm so thankful for, you know, Fort Worth is incredibly special that we have such a strong community mm-hmm. of people that are willing to give and that believe in the same things and so I'm thankful for you guys to give me the opportunity to come share what we're doing and for JW and Roxo for you know saying yes when I reach out and say I'm drowning I need help and and into this community and this town that has really given so much already to be human kindness um, I will be forever grateful for my friends and our neighbors who said yes when I started knocking so well, we commend you for knocking because oh, that, I mean, it takes a special individual to be able to do that. Um, again, behumankindness.org. Visit it. Uh, learn more about it. Check out the videos. There's more to come. Um, give if you can or feel called upon. Um, I know God bless you with this calling. And um, now you're blessing the rest of us and so many others worldwide. So thank you so much, Katie. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. We'll be back here with another episode of Curb Appeal next week.